So, my name's Amanda, for those of you who don't know me. Hello. I am married to Wesley, and we... Yes, you can cheer for Wesley. Go ahead. <laughs> He's awesome. We are the middle school pastors and also love just doing life with Jason Holly and hanging out with you guys on Sunday nights. Very different from middle school. You guys are way different from middle schoolers. But I love both of you just as much. So... Super excited to preach tonight. I believe God gave me a word, and I believe that some of you really need to hear it. Not some of you, all of you. So prepare your hearts. Uh, probably a month ago, a few weeks ago, we did a Q&R service. So Pastor Chase and Wesley sat up here. You guys texted questions, and they responded. That's how Q&R works. So you had tons of questions. They could not hit all of them. So Last week, and the, for a few weeks, we're going to dive into some of the questions you guys asked a little bit more deep, so with certain topics. So last week, Pastor Chase talked about how to talk to your friends about Jesus. It's more than just inviting them to church. Uh, really good message. If you've not heard it, you should go back on the podcast and listen to it, because each of you are surrounded by people who don't know Jesus. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. So when I was reading through some of the questions you guys asked there was kind of a category that popped out to me, and fear was the category, because a lot of you asked a wide variety of questions, some including, like, I have huge FOMO, fear of missing out. I have FOMO, it's really, yeah, raise your hand. But that's a real thing, because you're like, I am fearful of missing out on whatever this is, or somebody asked a question, like, what do I do? I'm so afraid of a school shooting happening. That's real. Some of you asked a question, about like, I, I'm just really struggling with fear and anxiety. Some of you asked a question about, like I'm really fearful of the judgment of people around me. So all of these fall under this umbrella of fear. And we all have dealt or deal with fear in some way, in some form. And more than talking about each of these questions you asked individually, I just really wanna talk about fear. And as I've been processing and dealing with my own fear, really realizing that more than just like, oh, I'm afraid of spiders or I'm afraid of what people think of me or whatever it is, it's less about the thing and really we're fearful of the outcome of that thing. So it's not that I'm afraid of spiders, I'm afraid what the spider's gonna do to me. <laughs> or I'm not just afraid of people, I'm afraid of people's response to me. Or I'm, just not, I'm not afraid of my parents. I'm afraid of what my parents are going to say or punish me with, with what I say to them. And so when we want to know the outcome of something, we want control, we want to know how things are going to play out, we unintentionally or intentionally stop trusting in God. So when we are fearing this thing, really more so the outcome of this thing, we have chosen it to... Stop trusting in God. Because we so desire to know how whatever thing is going to play out. Or I'm so fearful of how this person may respond. And God says a lot of things about fear. And the Bible actually talks about fearing the Lord. And that's a different kind of fear than the fear we're talking about tonight. But fearing God is fearing him in a way of I am in awe of who he is, or I have high respect of who God is. 
And I, I want to submit myself to who God is. A different kind of fear than the fear we're going to unpack tonight. But the one thing that I really believe God wants you to either be reminded of or hear for the first time is that fear is not from him. Fear is not from him. Go ahead and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. It's in the beginning part of your Bible. It's in the 300s page. I don't know where it is for yours. And tell me when you're there. There? I still hear pages turning. First Kings chapter 19. So in this part of, in this chapter where we pick up, we're going to talk about a guy named Elijah and a little bit about his life and a portion of his life. But prior to chapter 19, Elijah just participated in, I'm going to call it battle of gods. We'll say that because there was this moment where King Ahab and all his people who bowed down to their God and Elijah and all his people who believed in the one true God had this moment where essentially they both were, he had said like, whichever God like sends down fire, like that's the true God. And sure enough, our God was the God who sent down fire. All of this to say, it kind of stemmed this big, like, well, then there's other people who felt like, well, we believed in our God, but our God didn't send the fire. So then obviously they're angry and all these things leads us to chapter 19. Going to read a little bit more than normal. So follow along. It'll also be on the screen. Okay. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Basically, she wants to kill him. Then he was afraid and he arose, ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went out went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to the Mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they Seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces. The rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in a fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. 
And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, again, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel, forsaking your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. So this Elijah that we're talking about, just before this chapter was a courageous, heroic prophet that was full of faith and believing that God's going to send fire. He's going to do that, which he did. But the Elijah we're reading about in this chapter is a purely human Elijah, who has fallen into fear and responded to that fear. And when we have moments of being afraid, often our response is to run, whether literally run or you know, emotional, like I'm going to just choose to back away from this relationship or run from a thing or a thought, whatever it may be, our response often is to run, which then is also a, I don't want to face what's in front of me. For Elijah, he did not want to face the death that was in front of him. How many of you guys, I think everyone has done this, you're walking up the stairs and it's dark, three steps in, you're sprinting up the stairs because there is somebody behind you and they are going to kill you. <laughs> They are. You're certain. I don't know why we do that, but it is like a thing. Your heart starts pounding, and then all of a sudden you just sprint up the stairs. But just in that same way, we have a moment of fear, and all of a sudden we just like quickly respond to it. And the same thing happened with Elijah, that he had a moment of fear, and for him, he literally ran for his life. And for those of you who do know me, I have a very great fear of something. It's very, very great. <laughs> There's little tiny things. They're furry. They're gross. They are mice. <laughs> I hate them. And I hate a strong word. I hate them. <laughs> and so probably six months ago, the first house Wesley and I lived in, it's like pretty much in the woods. And this is truly my greatest fear. I don't know what happened to me as a child. Something must have because I, like, I, like, sometimes can't sleep at night because of them. All of this to say, I'm laying in bed, and all of a sudden I hear a noise. I'm like, that is not a noise. This should be happening right now. And I look up. Oh, there was an uninvited friend in the closet. And this was the first of not just one, but, like, five in our house. Yes, you can gasp. It is worthy to be to gasp about. And so this was this was months ago. I'm getting over it slowly. But all of us to say, so we were in the midst of like, okay, what the heck is happening? This is my greatest nightmare. Like I'm standing on a stool, sobbing, praying that God is gonna like, yeah, somehow the stool is gonna save me. I don't know why. But all this was happening. This is the backstory. A few days later, I came home. And I like saw something on the floor and my instinct was like, oh my gosh, like there's a dead mouse on the floor. There is something, some, something has died and it is on the floor. And so, I, you know, you like kind of like get a little closer, but I'm like, I'm really not, like I don't want to get too close to this. So I obviously asked, I said, can you please come look at whatever this is on the floor? It was a blob of peppers from my Chipotle burrito. 
that's what it was. Head falling on the floor. Yeah, really, really like you're like, okay, man, you're ridiculous. <laughs> yes, but fear distorts our perception. And in that moment, I was full of fear. And as silly as it may sound, fear does that, where we begin to not even see, think, or feel clearly to what God has put in front of us. And just like Elijah, Elijah fled because he was afraid of death. And then we find Elijah under a tree, literally asking God to take his life away. That does not make sense, right? The reason Elijah fled and ran was because Jezebel is out to, to kill me. And then moments later, through all of this, I believe that fear distorts the way we see and think. And he's in a moment, of, he's just given up. Like, Lord, just take my life away. Fear distorts our perception. And we find Elijah in this moment under the tree where truly we have all reached moments like this. And we will, where our human courage is limited. And we can only do so much. We cannot fight fear on our own. And we find him in this moment where he is pleading and asking God just to take his life away. And I believe he was just empty. He had nothing left. Because he knew, I know he knew who God was. Because he had just proclaimed to hundreds of people, this is who my God is and he's going to do this. But yet in a second, in a moment of fear, all of that was forgotten. Fear does not propel us, it stops us. Fear does not allow us to run farther, faster towards what God is doing. Fear stops us. And that's where we find Elijah stopped laying under a tree in what appears to be a, a depression in the Lord. I'm, I have nothing left to give. I don't even want to be here anymore. And the Bible talks about, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Bible does not say, do not feel afraid. It says, do not be afraid. There is a vast difference of being and feeling. Because we will feel afraid. It is inevitable that at any moment or whether it's 30 seconds, 30 days, or a year, we're feeling afraid. But that does not mean that's the state that we live in. And the Bible says, do not be afraid. But we will have moments where we feel afraid, just like Elijah. And in some ways, I feel like we have almost become immune to fear and anxiety and all of these things. That really, fear is something we feel. It is an emotion. It is something inside of us. But fear is not something you are. It's not something we are. I am not Amanda. I am a fearful person. No, I am Amanda, and I am a child of God. Sometimes I feel afraid, but that is not who I am. And you, each and every one of you, all of us, 
We are children of God. And yes, we may feel anxious. Yes, we may feel depressed. Yes, we may feel afraid. But that is not who we are. And the Lord meets Elijah in this moment. Sends an angel when he's laying under the tree. And he says, arise and eat. For the journey is too great for you. I also love that it was cake. Like, he just sent cake. Eat this cake. Sometimes you just need to eat a piece of cake. Yeah, eat, eat the cake. But some of us need to respond tonight or in our moments of fear, or moments of anxiety. We need to get up and eat. And the Bible is referred to often as the bread of life. The thing that sustains us, the thing that fulfills us, the thing that satisfies us. And there are moments in our life, every single day really, that we need to get up and eat. And that means we need to get in scripture. We need to out loud declare what it is God said. Maybe it's one verse and that's the verse you say over and over and over and over and over again. But it's God's word. And sometimes you just need to get up and eat. Even if you still feel anxious, feel afraid, feel depressed, God's word is the only thing, the only thing that is going to satisfy, the only thing that is going to come close to even remotely making you feel different. And this doesn't mean that the second you read, you don't feel fearful or you don't feel anxious or suddenly you have great joy and you're just laughing. That's not what it means, but it means... When Elijah got up and ate, it led him to another moment with the Lord. It didn't solve all his problems. He didn't feel better right away. But when he got up and ate, he was led to another moment with the Lord. And some of you in here need to get up. Stop laying under the tree. I know you feel afraid. You feel tired. You feel like you have nothing to give. There's some of you, even in this room, I want to speak to you directly, that you have said the same words as Elijah did that, Lord, would you take my life away? And you look at me and you hear the words I'm about to say. The journey is too great for you. Your life is worth living. And those thoughts that you've thought or feelings you felt of, God, why am I even here? I know that you have a plan and a purpose for your life. So I pray with everything in me that you wouldn't stay under the tree, but you would get up and eat. Which leads us to Elijah's next moment that he has with the Lord. When he does, he gets up, he eats, and he goes to the cave. And so often we look for God in the large, in the vast, in the big moments. We, we're like, I know I'm going to hear God on Sunday night, a lot of what, like Wesley said. Or I know Collide West Conference is going to just like propel me, and I'm going to be just like awesome for three months. But then what? Or we wait for a life group because we know someone's going to say something encouraging, and that's going to be awesome. But we oft, so often we wait for God to speak to us in these big, loud moments. 
And the reality is God is in everything. God is in your car. God is in your bedroom. God is in your classroom. God is at your work. God is in your friendships. God is in your families. God is in your fear. God is in your anxiety. God is in your depression. God is in your sadness. God is in your joy. God is in your happiness. God is in your grief. He's in all of it. And I love this moment when Elijah goes to the cave. And it says, And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. That sure sounds like God is speaking. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. Okay, that, that really sounds like God speaking. But the Lord was not in an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Band, you can go ahead and come up, please. Too often, we wait for the mountaintop experiences. Too often, we, can, we wait for the wind, the fire, the earthquake to happen. And we really need to wait for the whisper. Wait for the whisper of God. It's not what our ears inclined to hear. It's not what our eyes are inclined to be drawn to. It's not what our heart really sometimes feels fulfilled by. So often it's, it's the big, loud moments of messages, moments with leaders, whatever that moment may, may be. But we can't rely on the wind and the fire. It doesn't sustain. And there isn't always wind and fire. There's so often times where where I can't imagine, what if Elijah would have not heard God in the wind and the fire and then he just gave up? When really God was just wanting him to just, just wait, Elijah, just wait. I want to speak to you. Just, just hold on a minute. But he wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the fire, he wasn't in the earthquake. So many things. But then there he was. In the whisper, the subtlest of voices that could have, be, could have been said. And for us, for you, for me, I can't rely on this. I can't rely on Pastor Chase, his messages. I can't rely on those moments. But when, when you're in your bedroom and you are questioning, God, what is, what is the purpose of my life? God, why am I here? I feel this way so deeply. Wait. Wait for the whisper. He who promised is faithful. And he promises to never leave us nor forsake us.
am tired of living in fear. This hits home for me. Because <laughs> I don't want to be a person that is so afraid of what people think or so afraid of, is someone close to me going to die? Or the fears of, am I ever going to be able to have kids? Or the fear of, gosh, that person looked at me and they must be mad at me. Or the fear of, I'm going to wake up and someday I'm going to have I'm going to have a sickness and I'm going to die. Those are real raw thoughts that I sometimes have. Fear that feels so crippling. It makes me want to just crawl up in a ball. And God, I don't want to feel this way. And I am so tired of living in moments of fear. And I'm tired of looking out at a room full of called, chosen, anointed high schoolers who are so crippled by fear that they're not living in the way that God has intended them to live. They're not reaching the students God has placed right in front of them. They are not proclaiming their love for Jesus like he's called you to proclaim. And they are not vocalizing or talking or speaking because you are so crippled by fear. And I am tired of it. And I'm not saying all these things to say, get up and leave. And we're never going to be fearful again because we will. But may we get up and when we leave, we know that, yeah, I'm going to feel afraid. But my God is faithful. My God is for me. My God is real. My God is the God that sent fire down from the sky to proclaim he was real to the people years and years ago. And my God is the same God today. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but a spirit of love and self-control. God did not give you a spirit of fear. That is not from him. But he did give you a spirit of love. His love that is in every single page. His love that is the love that you initially and first gave your life to Jesus to. He gave that to us. Psalms 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you, my God, are with me. There are some, some things some of you are going through that are really hard, really fearful, really scary. I can't imagine what it may be like waking up for school and being afraid. Is there going to be a school shooting today? That is a real fear. But you know what? God does not call us to live there. God does not call us to stay and give in to that feel fear, the emotion. God says, no, through the valley, which means you're not going to stay there. God is going with you. Through the valley, I am with you. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. The peace of God that surpasses our understanding. The peace of God does not make sense sometimes. The peace we feel does not have to logically play all together because there can be things going on around me, but my soul is at peace. Why? Because I know who my God is. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been, perfect, been perfected in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, the perfect love that God sent his son to die on the cross for you casts out all fear. So that means we have an invitation to live in a fearless life. But yeah, I may feel fearful, but that's not who I am. 
That's not why Jesus died for me, so I would live bound by anxiety and fear and depression. God sent his son so I may have life and life abundantly. John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy plants fear, anxiety, questions, uncertainty in our minds to steal, to kill, and destroy what God is doing in you. But my God, your God, came to give us life, not just life, but life abundantly. A level of life that those who gave their life to Jesus get to experience. You go ahead and turn the lights down a little bit. Talking about this sometimes makes me angry because, and I don't get super angry very often, but it, it makes me angry because the enemy has just played this stupid game that is trying to make us fearful and afraid of, well, well what do I what do? I, do? I, I know I'm supposed to talk to my parents about this thing, but they're going to ground me. Yeah, you know what? God has not called you to live in fear, so go talk to your parents. Or, I love Jesus so much, but I physically feel like I cannot raise my hands in worship because I don't know what people are going to think. Raise your hands in worship because you are giving into something the enemy wants you to live in. And you know what? God has called you to worship. God has called you to live in a conviction to his Holy Spirit and talk to your parents. God has called you to love the people at your school, to sit with the person and who the heck cares who sees you sitting with that person. I don't want to live a life of fear anymore. I don't want to wake up fearful of who my life is going to disappear. No, I want to wake up and know today, today, my God is for me. He's not against me. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know today I get to live a life without fear. And in the moments I feel afraid, God, I know that you walk with me. And we need, we need to respond tonight because I am tired of us laying under the tree. There are certain people, all of you, but there are certain people in here that you have been laying under that dang tree for too long. It's time to get up and face your fears with your God. And as we surrender this fear that is not from God, my prayer, my hope would be that we would enter into a fear of God. That as we exchange this fear of man, this fear of whatever it may be, that we would enter a moment where, oh my gosh, my God is so good. Lord, I am in awe of who you are. God, I want more of you. God, I respect you. God, I love that you gave your son for me. God, I need more of you. Would we allow our moments of fear to have us run, like we talked about, but not run away from God? Would we run towards our Father? 
And tonight, I don't know what that looks like for you because fear is a wide variety for all of us. But I know that God is calling us to respond. And we are going into the song Surrounded. And what better of a song to proclaim than to sing as loud as we possibly can. It feels like I am surrounded. Sometimes I feel like I can't even breathe because I'm so anxious. It feels like this fear is just grabbing hold of me. It feels like I just don't even know what joy is anymore. But you know what? But God surrounds us. It may look like, it may feel like we're surrounded, but I am surrounded by my God. And so we're gonna move into a time of response. And we'll have a few leaders on the outskirts because I believe for some of you too, it may be even just the confession of, I am so afraid of this. And you've never even told someone. And you know what? There's power in confessing with our mouth and there's power in prayer. So may, if that's you, you need to confess with your mouth and you need to ask for prayer, do it. Don't live in a moment of fear. That's exactly where the enemy wants you. For some of you, maybe you do need to raise your hand and you just worship like you've never worshiped before. You worship like there's no tomorrow. You worship like this is the last worship set I ever have. And some of you, you maybe need to have a moment where you wait for that whisper from God. You wait for the whisper. And I believe that each and every one of you, God speaks to. So I believe that you will respond in the way that the Lord is prompting you to respond. But I believe also that there's no condemnation if you don't respond, but I believe if you want more of Jesus and more of what he has for you, may you not live in fear of doing what he's prompting in your heart even right now, but would you take this opportunity to literally not today Satan not today am I going to live in another moment of fear not today after weeks and weeks and weeks of services I want to worship so bad but I can't not today am I going to hide this thing that I'm so scared and afraid of anymore I'm going to I'm going to talk about it not today am I going to live in fear and hear me you may wake up tomorrow and feel afraid but you also wake up tomorrow and you get to declare with your mouth, my God is for me, my God is with me, he's not leaving me, he's not gonna forsake me. And the next day and the next day when you feel fear again, when you feel anxious, my God is for me, my God is with me, he's not against me. When I go through the valley, my God has given me life and life abundantly. So as we go into this song, Let's respond and let us not respond in fear, but let us respond in faith of what God is prompting us to do. Jesus, I thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for your voice. God, I thank you that you long to speak to us, even if it's a whisper. So God, right now, Lord, I pray against the schemes of the enemy to come seek, kill, and destroy in this moment and implant fear in our minds. And God, we say not today. God, I want to be a room full of people who, yeah, I feel afraid sometimes, 
But you know what? I stomp my foot on the ground and I say, not today, Satan, because God has given me life and life abundantly. So God, may we respond in this moment to how you are prompting us.